0: Welcome to the first episode of Crotchets and Quavers, uh, time to talk about the music that will be sung at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church in Fort Worth on the upcoming Sunday. I wanted to do this so that I could give uh, people who aren't members of St. Andrew's, who may not be familiar with the church, a chance to hear uh, what music we're planning on singing for morning prayer or communion or even song services that are coming up. I uh, hope that this is enjoyable, and I look forward to doing it for quite some time in the future. Today's podcast will focus on two anthems, Uh, The Lord is My Shepherd by Howard Goodall and Veni Sancte Spiritus by George Fenton. Uh, We'll get going with Goodall first. Many of, of you may know Howard Goodall because of his work on British television. And that's where our main piece comes from. But before we get into that, he was born in 1958, and he studied music at Oxford. Once he had finished his degrees, he started working in communications and actually worked with Rowan Atkinson and Richard Curtis on the Not the Nine O'Clock News, which was fairly successful and and kind of broke him into the industry. Once he, he got Out of that work, or that, I guess that show, that program, uh, he began working on music for drama, orchestra, choir, became very successful uh, just in general as a composer. Then eventually he wrote the piece, The Lord is My Shepherd, which was used for the Vicar of Dibley. More recently, Somewhat recently, Goodall was made the singing ambassador in England in a national campaign to try and get the country to start singing. He's done some TV programs. One quite interesting is How It Works uh, that you can find on YouTube. He's also something of a scholar, as I discovered. While filming a program about music, the how music works, he discovered that a piece he needed, Monteverdi's Orfeo, wasn't available in manuscript in Italy and I mean that's, that's a pretty important piece of music for historians, really one of the first extant uh, operas that we have and uh, you would think by an Italian composer it would be available in Italy. But there was no manuscript that he could find or he could get a hold of. And then he was reminded by a friend that Oxford did have a manuscript, one of the early editions of Orfeo. Uh, So as he said, I booked an appointment, and the carefully gloved librarian kindly left me with the amazing manuscript to peruse. It was as if the intervening 400 years simply hadn't existed I was looking directly, composer to composer, at Monteverdi's own instructions, unfiltered, unedited, unchanged. My questions, for example, on his use of the band, on his figured bass lines, on how much ornamentation he offered to or expected from his singers were all answered within an hour. No amount of scholarship or expertise by someone else, however brilliant, can substitute for the direct contact with a composer's own score. This last statement leads me to the anthem that will be sung by the St. Andrews Choir on August 5th, The Lord is My Shepherd. While many of his TV credits are well known, it's the beautiful theme song to the Vicar of Dibley, a widely popular British sitcom, first aired in 1994 and ended in 2007, that many of us know him best, and many of us know that from its considerable time on PBS with the British sitcoms that they tend to show late at night, unfortunately. But the show details the ups and downs of a female minister in a small English town. Uh, The cast was amazing, had wonderful chemistry. What's really remembered about the show is the music heard during the opening credits. The English choir boy floats the beautiful melody with such ease, making it one of the most charming and relaxing moments in modern choral music. Following Goodall's explanation of melody from his four-part series, How Music Works, the melody has a pentatonic feel. What he says is the basic idea of melody from the beginning of time. After the introduction, the choir joins the sopranos to present the melody again, forcing us to remember that pentatonic, eternal, melodic feel and idea. As the text changes to the darker subject of the Valley of the Shadow of Death, Goodall slips into D minor from F major. By doing so, he maintains his pentatonic feel, which allows the singers to easily learn the music, to remember the melody, and to have it become a part of their lives. The fullness of the Valley of the Shadow of Death and the emphasis and movement really emphasizes the the darkness that that we as Christians feel or that people in a dark time in their life will feel it it's, it's not always easy to get out of, and it just feels like it constantly moves forward. But the thing to remember is that eventually we do move out of that. And he gives us that reassurance by bringing in the main theme again, which can be seen as God's provision, comfort after a time of, of trouble. Beautiful ending with the piece of Sopranos, or in most recordings, you'll have boy sopranos singing in the melody again. And then you'll have them sing just the word forever. And then finally, the last statement of forever is sung by a solo boy soprano. Now the piece is beautiful, moving. It's a wonderful setting of the 23rd Psalm. And we look forward to presenting that this Sunday, August 5th, uh, as our anthem for the service. The second piece that we will be singing that day is by George Fenton. It's Veni Sancte Spiritus from the Shadowlands. Now Fenton was born in 1950 after he uh, got into school, post high school, he dabbled in music business and then got some jobs working in that. But it wasn't until he got his first major commission in 1974 that composition became his primary job. Among his more notable works are the score to Gandhi and The Shadowlands. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of The Shadowlands, uh, it was uh, a movie that came out in 93. Three, I believe and it was the story of C.S. Lewis and Joy Gresham I watched this movie in college and um, the only thing I can remember is the music uh, I, I was sitting in the girls dorm with the young lady I was dating at the time and a lot of us were watching the movie and I just don't remember much besides the music first time that I remember actually hearing sumer is a very popular rota from medieval um, England, and Once in Royal David City, most popular because of its use in Lessons and Carols as the opening uh, hymn. But the opening piece of music was Fenton's Veni Sancti Spiritus, uh, and it's now become a favorite of the choir here at St. Andrews. The text comes from the Mass for Pentecost and has been attributed to three people. King Robert II, the Pious of France, Pope Innocent III, and Stephen Langton, Archbishop of Canterbury. It depends on which piece you're looking at as to which one's going to get the credit that day. Uh, in our case, Robert uh, from France is giving credit in this score. But it's a sequence, Um, and a sequence was a poetic text specified for a specific feast or celebration of the church year. Now, these were very popular in the medieval period. Uh, Lots of people were writing sequences. But in 1570, the Council of Trent, which was the Catholic Church's answer to solving the Reformation problems, the Council of Trent banned all before of the sequences in existence. And Bene Sancti Spiritus was one, the Dies Ire, which is from the Requiem Mass, Lauda Zion, and then Victime Paschali Laudes. Now in, in each of these cases, these sequences tend to be extremely long and, and they're made up of couplets so many, many couplets, but in in this case, Fenton only sets the first two couplets really focusing on the anticipatory plea of come. The original music of this text would have been sung as chant, which did not have a meter, but was sung somewhat freely. And here's an example of the Veni Sancte Spiritus chant. Veni Sancte Spiritus, Rather than using a strict metrical system, chant is based on the joining of two or three pitches together at a time. The freedom gives the music a feel very close to human speech, which is what they were trying to do. Fenton captures this feeling in his opening line sung by the tenor soloist. The first and last notes are more sustained, while the inner notes are all eighth notes. The same pattern exists as the tenors and basses enter. In fact, almost every example of the choir singing is based on this use of sustained beginning and ending notes with faster notes in the middle. Another technique he uses to transport the listener to the past is a rhythmic offset. Now, he doesn't use it a lot, and he doesn't use it as a cliche device, but one that gives an idea of the reverberation of a large Gothic space. You can hear it there, with the entrances of the voices at Veni Veni. Harmonically, the work moves between various tonal centers begins in D-flat major but shifts between D-flat major and D-flat minor as the other voices join before changing keys completely. Musicians have often considered certain keys to have specific qualities or characteristics. Now, it would be pointless to try and consider everyone's thoughts on this, but one person's ideas kind of match what Fitton seems to be doing. Uh, Schubart, who was a late 18th, early 19th century theorist, describes D-flat major as a degeneration into grief and rapture. The text, Come Holy Spirit, uh, is set in this tonal area, and it looks to be a plea for hope and salvation from the darkness of the world. Uh, He is talking about, Come Holy Ghost, and shine your light of heaven on us. Of course, Schubart's description of D-flat minor, or C-sharp, is the exact opposite of the text at this point. The text, and send send from heaven the ray of your light, he feels that D-flat minor, Schubart, uh, gives only the impression of despair, and we see that being set against the light, so giving us a very stark contrast. After the two couplets have been stated, Fenton sets the first couplet again, but in the tonal area of D minor, with flashes of D major for a short moment, so he's really playing around with this D feel, whether it's D flat or D natural. But in the end, the piece finally settles into a solid tonal area, as the soprano solo sings the opening motive in E flat major. Now, according to Schubert, the E-flat major is a key of devotion and love. Everything solemn and splendid bears the character of this key. Fenton emphasized E-flat by setting the melody around E-flat at the very beginning, even though tonally it's in D-flat. And it's possible that maybe he was representing the hope that one has... In God, even when it's surrounded by times of trouble. Well, I hope you enjoyed this edition of um, Crotchets and Quavers. Uh, Keep in mind that that this music uh, that we talked about today will be heard uh, during the worship service at St. Andrew's Episcopal Church on August 5th at 11 o'clock a.m. Uh, For more information about the church, you can go to www.st-andrew.com. And thank you for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Have a good day.